So as a third grader, Reagan, I was not reading like that. I think I was spending half the year crying. It was probably one of my worst years. I was super insecure about everything that was going on in my life. The way I dressed, I was really insecure about the way I dressed. My, my mom uh, made my, some of my clothes, especially my shorts, and uh, she thought that really awkward, colored, flamboyant shorts were the thing to do. And so I was really insecure and stressed out about my shorts. And I had these Magic Johnson shoes that I thought were awesome, you know, the purple and gold. I lived there in Loma Linda, California. And uh, I thought they were wonderful, but my friends called them moon shoes. And so I'd go home and I just, you know, do I look like a, such a fool? And, and I would cry about this. And I had been living in Angwin, California, which is a smaller community, moved down to Loma Linda. And I didn't always win in sports anymore. And suddenly I was concerned about not being the best, and even at recess when I would lose, sometimes I would get tearful about it, and I would be insecure about my, my athletic ability, and I would cry about that. And I had friends that, that, that uh, I was worried if my friends really liked me, and I remember going home and, and crying about that, and I was insecure about girls. Yes, unfortunately, I was worrying about that even back then in third grade. Does Rhea, the girl at Cal Skate, like me? She didn't want to do couple skate with me this week at Cal Skate. What's going on? And I would get a little bit emotional about that. I feel like I cried basically all of third grade. But then I went to fourth grade and it all went away. And I was suddenly cool again. But then it came back in fifth grade. <laughs> My friends started a BMX team and they didn't invite me to join and this made me feel very insecure. And so I cried about that. I think insecurities that I had led to uh, poor decisions that I made in junior high and, and high school and some of the mistakes I made then. But then I met Jesus and I was never insecure again. Except, is that really true? I mean, if some of you met Jesus and still insecure? I mean, that's, I wish that was the amen, but it's not really true. It's not really, in fact, true. Many of us who know Jesus and have walked with Jesus, we feel maybe even insecure right now about what's going on in our life. When I sensed Jesus calling me into ministry, into his mission, I called my mentor on the phone and gave all the reasons I wasn't good enough and I cried then also. And my mentor hung up on me. Uh, it was some tactic, it must have worked, here I am. Then I went to Union College Still pretty new Christian, only a Christian for about a year or so. Uh, having grown up in the Adventist subculture, but not really as a Christian, not really as a committed follower of Jesus. But now having accepted the call of Jesus on my life and I'm there at Union College and I go to my first theology classes as a theology major and I went to class in scrubs and a t-shirt that I had slept in the night before. Yeah, this is what I thought college students dressed in. You know, we didn't have to get up and get dressed up anymore. We got up when we wanted to get up and we got to go to class how we want to go to class. And I, I went in there with, with that and with my bleached hair spiked up about three inches and held up with Elmer's glue. And I looked around and no one looked like me. There were a lot of sweater vests in the room with all these theology majors and I felt very insecure and, and out of place. I think I even got a little emotional there that first week at Union. Next year, I transferred to a larger school, Southern, uh, dressing a little bit better now, but still with my uh, bleached white hair, although now it was a brighter white and two-toned, white on top. 
black on the bottom and uh, still held up with Elmer's glue. And I went to the new theology major orientation and I think as I've shared with you before, we were putting these triads together to pray for one another and pray with one another. And this young man in a sweater vest uh, prayed for me and I quote, God, I pray that you will not let Chad's hair get in the way of his ministry. <laughs> and uh, true story. And uh, I didn't cry then, but I did open my eyes and glare at him a little bit. And, but I felt, I left that meeting feeling very insecure. Maybe this was the wrong school for me. Maybe this is not where I belong. My first year as a church and a pastor, struggle, really negative. For me, I was negative, not everything about it was negative, but I was really negative and I thought, maybe this isn't the gig for me. Maybe I chose the whole wrong profession and I would come home and I would complain and I was just really insecure about what was happening. And uh, Christina said to me in her most loving way uh, and kind way, you become lazy. Why don't you stop complaining and just do something, all right? And uh, so any of you that are crying about the fact that I am your pastor, then blame Christina, because it's all her fault. I wouldn't even have made it here out of those first couple years if it weren't for her. And then December 4, four years ago, driving across the country and passing through a freezing Oklahoma and my beautiful wife sitting in the passenger seat, sleeping, and my three beautiful boys sleeping in the back of the car and looking at them in the rearview mirror and remembering the goodbye in California of all the family. And tears began to come down my face and I get emotional thinking about it now. Uh, and thinking, God, did I make the right decision? Did we make the right decision? And feeling insecure. I don't know if I'm gonna fit in at Spencerville. I don't even know how to tie a bow tie. <laughs> my wife, for the first year, tied my bow ties for me. I don't know if I should admit that, but it's true. I finally learned how. I don't know if I'll fit in. Is this the right decision? <laughs> we can still turn around. Central Cal told me I have a job still. Insecurity. If you're someone that struggles with insecurity, even though you are a Christian, I can relate. And there's evidence in the Bible that there's more than a few that can relate as well. You see, in the midst of all this insecurity, I've learned something that has gotten me through that, has gotten me to not walk away from the ministry, and that has gotten me to to trust in God's calling on my life, to trust in the, the big moves that we've made as a family. And I think it's one of the most important things we can remember uh, as we think about God's mission on each and every one of our lives. And so I believe this is well illustrated in the life of Moses. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus chapter three. And Reagan read it so well, don't worry, we're not going through all of it again. I cannot even uh, do that. And those little voice inflections, oh man, I just loved it. Uh, and something I've discovered that, that, and this is the thing, we're gonna talk about this today, the thing that we just, I've discovered that, that is most important for us to remember. And if you were here last week, if you weren't, you can go online, you can watch it online on our YouTube channel or on our webpage. But if you were here last week, then you remember that we talked about God's calling on Moses shows uh, on Moses' life, God's mission for Moses' life shows us that, that, that God is not dependent upon our past in order for us to receive a calling into his mission. Moses was a murderer. 
He tried to cover up that murder. He tried to hide it. Things did not go as he desired. And yet still God called him to lead one of the greatest religious movements in history. Today, as I said, we're going to look at one of the most important things to remember in, in when God shows us his mission for our lives. And next week, we're going to talk about what it means to walk as, as people that are called into that mission and what, what that looks like and, and, and how we are to be directed. And so I hope you'll come back next week to hear that because this is kind of like a three-part sermon series in the midst of our larger sermon series. And so I hope you'll, you'll come back to that. But today we're going to talk about the most important idea to hold in your mind when you discover Jesus' mission for your life. So Exodus chapter 3. And we'll just look at the, at the beginning. And this is what we're going to learn about insecurity. We're going to learn some things about insecurity from, from potentially one of the greatest religious leaders in the history of mankind. One of the greatest leaders, whether it be religious or not, in the history of mankind. Exodus chapter 3. We'll just begin there in verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he's led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. I want to pause right there for a moment. In the very first sermon that I preached four weeks ago from the book of Exodus, I said one of the reasons why it's important for us to study the book of Exodus is because the book of Exodus reveals to us so much about Jesus. And, and Jesus is actually all the way throughout the book of Exodus and the, and the Old Testament. And right here in this passage, the Bible describes uh, the one speaking out of this bush as the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord is another name, it's another term for the pre-incarnate Christ. That's just a fancy way of saying Jesus before he came to be a baby in this, on this earth, before he came to be a human on this earth. And so one of the, the names for the pre-incarnate Christ is the angel of the Lord. And there's other places where it says a angel of the Lord in the Bible. But when it talks about with that definite article, the, uh, the angel of the Lord, we, we know this is, this is the pre-incarnate Christ being referred to. And this is all throughout the Old Testament. So the rest of this story this morning, as we're reading the rest of this story, this dialogue between Moses and the angel of the Lord, remember that Moses is actually speaking with Jesus. That is why the angel of the Lord could say what he said next. He says to Aldous Bush, he calls out, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. This is what the angel of the Lord said. For the place on which you are standing, this is verse 5, is holy ground. The ground was holy not because an angel was present. The ground was holy because God himself, the pre-incarnate Christ, the holy Christ was present there in that burning bush and it made this whole place holy and so Moses takes off his sandals and Christ tells Moses that he has heard the cries of the Egyptians and he has come to Moses because Moses is going to be the one to go deliver the Egyptians to quote Christ in verse 10 I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Jesus out of Egypt Christ is in the setting free business that is, that is who Christ is about. His mission, his grand mission in all things is to set people free from what, whatever bondage they are in, a spiritual bondage, an emotional bondage, a, a physical bond. Christ is about setting people free. The Spirit of the Lord is, uh, it tells us here in the, in the scriptures that, that Christ comes to Moses and says, you are going to go 
and helped to set the Egyptians free. His mission is always about setting people free. That means that, that whatever your mission is in life, whatever your mission is in life, it should play some role, have, have some uh, purpose, maybe not to the level that Moses or something, should have some role in playing a part in God's larger mission of setting people free. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4, the great prophecy about the mission and, and, and the life of Jesus and the calling of Jesus tells us this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's speaking about Jesus, saying the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. All these verses in some way are about Jesus and his mission of setting people free. The good news, which is what this begins with, to preach the gospel. The gospel, which is also known as the good news, brings freedom to the poor, freedom to the heartbroken, freedom to the prisons, those, the, the prisons that we are in from this world, freedom from mourning, freedom from despair, freedom from weariness, freedom from, from being faint and scared and timid, freedom from the, the, the destruction of this world, freedom from ourselves, and on and on. Christ tells Moses, your mission is to go and set my people free. But Moses, when he receives this mission, just as some of us, when we receive our missions from God, he lacks something. Moses lacks something in his life. And most of us think that the thing that Moses lacks is any faith in God. But I would say that I don't see that fully. Yes, Moses in some ways lacks faith, but, but not in the way that we normally think of lacking faith. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. I believe Moses' greatest issue is, is not necessarily a complete lack of faith in God. Moses' greatest issue is that Moses is very insecure. Moses is insecure. So if you are insecure, not only can your pastor relate to you, but Moses can relate to you as well. Think about the story, the, what we just heard uh, Reagan read uh, about. Verse 11, when God says to Moses, you're gonna be the one to go set the people free. Moses asks, who, who am I to go and do this? I, I don't feel qualified. Christ gives him an answer. Verse 13, Moses says, but, but, but what will I say to them? I, I don't know what to say to them. Christ gives Moses an answer. Ver, chapter 4, verse 1, what if, they, what if they don't believe me? That's me with my, my friends as a kid. What if, what, what if I say something and they don't think it's smart enough or, or right, the right answer. What if they don't believe me? Christ gives him an answer again. Chapter four, verse 10, I have, I have, I have never been eloquent. In other words, I'm, I'm not good with words, God. The Lord Christ answers him again. And finally, in chapter four, Moses just comes right down to it. All the other things the, the, the excuses that he's made, some of the things that we do when, when someone says, we think you can do this and we, we, we doubt. We say, I don't, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that thing. 
I may want to do that thing, but I don't think I can do that thing. And we doubt and we struggle with, with, with this call, this mission that God's put on our lives. And, and, and we put through our excuses. You know, I'm not really ready. I'm not really trained. I'm not really prepared. I'm not really smart enough. I'm not really good enough. I'm not really this. I'm, not, I'm too busy. Da, 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 da. We go through all this list. And finally, we come down right to it, just like Moses does. And we say, please, just send someone else. Please, just send someone else. And then Christ answers again. The reason why I said above that Moses' big struggle isn't faith as we normally think of it, faith in God. What I see is he lacked faith in himself. He was insecure, and that's related to his faith in God, but we'll come to that again in a moment. But he was insecure. I actually see in this story many pictures of faith that Moses has in God. First of all, Moses must have some faith and courage because he sees a bush burning and remember last week I said sometimes we're way too familiar with these stories and so we don't really think about how just, whoa, this is. But he sees a bush burning that's not burning. It's not burning up. If some of us saw that, we would think, maybe I don't want to get near that thing. But Moses goes to explore it. What's this, what's this about? There's some, there's some level of, of faith there. And then there's a voice that comes out of that bush. Moses. Moses. And Moses, in faith, responds. He now knows that there's some deity that's speaking to him out of this bush. And Moses, in faith, responds, here I am. Moses doesn't tuck tail and run. Moses doesn't tuck tail and run. Have you guys ever been walking through someplace and you think you're all alone, and all of a sudden just someone says, hey, Michael, whoa. I mean, we've all... We've all done this, right? We, we've run from things out of fear just by our name being spoken. But Moses hears his name out of a bush. You can't see a person. You can't see a being out of a bush. Moses, Moses. And he says, here I am. He has, he has faith. He has faith. Chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. The Lord says to Moses, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And then the Lord tells him, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. Y'all, Moses is not running because of lack of faith. Moses is running because of intelligence. This is, this is smart. You see a snake, you run. This is one of the first things I was taught. Give space to snakes their, their distance. But, but the other thing is, is Moses is showing intelligence here because he was running because it was a poisonous snake. And you may say, well, that doesn't say that in the Bible. But listen, y'all, Moses was a shepherd. He had run into snakes before. I live here in the, in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. or Baltimore, whichever city you want to claim as yours. I live in these suburbs, and in my own backyard, I've run into three snakes in the last year, not during this cold time, but in the summertime. Three snakes. So, I mean, this shepherd had run into snakes. He knew which snakes to ignore and not worry about, and he knew which snakes to give a wide breath to. And so he sees a snake, and he knows, that, so he steps back. This is a poisonous snake, and he goes far enough to give, it, to give it distance. This is not about a lack of faith. This is about intelligence and experience. I'm a shepherd. That's not a snake we want to mess with. We're just going to back ourselves up a little bit. Because in the very next verse, we see that, that it's not about a lack of faith because Moses shows great faith in God. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. The very first thing that every child is taught about snakes, 
Second thing, actually, the first thing is, like I said, if you see a snake, better just to give it your, the distance if you don't know what it is. Second thing that every child is taught by a snake is never pick up a snake by its, what? Tail. I mean, we, we know this. I ran the rattlesnakes when I lived in, the, in Loma Linda, in the hills of Loma Linda, out riding bikes. I, I mean, stay away from it, but I had friends that catch it. They never went and said, I'm going to try to catch this thing by the tail. You never grab a snake by the tail. But the Lord says to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. And you know what Moses did? We don't see any hesitation. Without hesitation, Moses reaches out and grabs that poisonous snake by the tail. Don't tell me that Moses doesn't have any faith. He must have some faith in God. The next thing that happens, verse 6, again the Lord said to him, put your hand inside of your cloak. Don't read these verses too fast, y'all. We'll, we'll, we'll miss the good stuff. Don't say, well, Moses doesn't have faith in God. I don't, I don't see that. Didn't God just tell Moses to throw down his staff and it turned into a poisonous snake? I mean, if I, if I had just gone through that experience and now God's telling me, hey, now I want you to put your hand inside your coat, I would ask a clarifying question. God, can you tell me? Is there going to be a snake in there? My kids don't have any rubber snakes. I was going to bring one and scare all of you. I also know that there's a certain level of population. I didn't want anyone to have any medical issues here today. But, but I mean, I would ask that clarifying question. God says, put your Moses in faith. Puts his hand in his cloak. And he draws it out. And it's, the Bible tells us it's it's as white as leprous snow. So it's not just like a couple leprous spots. It is fully corroded by the disease of leprosy. And then God tells him, put it back in his cloak. He puts it back in his cloak, pulls it out, and it's all healthy again. I mean, that to me shows faith. Moses had faith in God, but, but his faith in God couldn't overcome his lack of faith in himself, his insecurity in himself. I love this quote by J.A. Modier. If Moses lives in our memories, so if Moses lives in our memories as the towering leader of Israel in deliverance and pilgrimage, it is well to remember where he started, insecure, uncertain, unprepared, unworthy, and un-almost everything else. I mean, Moses is, is one of the great figures in the scriptures. We know that, that, that he was eventually raised from the dead and taken up to heaven. We know that Moses was one of the ones that, was, that met with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration to be a, a child of Moses in the New Testament is this powerful and mighty uh, position as a Hebrew. And yet Moses, this towering figure, where did he start? Insecure, uncertain, unprepared, unworthy, and un almost every else. If that is you, if you feel insecure, uncertain, unprepared, unworthy, and un almost everything else, good job. You're in great company with Moses. And Moses still became this towering figure. He had some faith in God, but his faith in God could not overcome his lack of faith in himself. Moses says, I'm not fit for the job. I'm not smart enough. I'm not effective for the task. I'm not eloquent enough. I'm not secure. And here is this response that God gives him. Here's a summary of all God's responses that he gives him, that the Lord gives to, to 
to, Abra, uh, to Moses, the, the Christ gives to, to Moses. Here's the summary of all God's responses. I'm not fit, I'm not smart, I'm not effective, I'm not eloquent, I'm not secure. And the Lord says back to Abraham, I mean to Moses, I am. I am. And here's what I have learned in my mission for Jesus. And here is what we are being taught through the Moses story. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. Jesus is all that we aren't. Jesus is all that we aren't. As Peter ends writes, Moses' assertion that he cannot do this task is correct, but entirely beside the point. He is not doing the saving. Moses says, I cannot do this. The Lord responds, you're not, I am. Therefore, whatever doubts, whatever doubts that Moses had, whatever doubts that, that we have, whatever doubts that we, we struggle with, whatever doubts Moses may have about his own skills and his own abilities, whatever doubts we may have about our own skills and our own abilities are totally irrelevant yes. to the calling. When you discover the mission Jesus has for your life, and he does have a mission for your life, and we'll mention that in just a moment, the most important thing to remember in that moment when you're feeling completely insecure and unsure and unprepared and uncertain and unworthy is that it does not matter what you think in that moment because the God that calls you to his mission, the God, the one who calls you to God's mission always comes with a promise of God's presence as well. That is what the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, Jesus, is saying here to Moses. With great patience, I might add, till the very end where he just gets a little bit ruffled. But we can learn as parents from his patience at the beginning and, and to not be too harsh at the end there. Moses says, I'm not fit enough. And God's answer, it's okay. I am. Moses says, I'm not smart enough. God's answer, it's okay. I am. I'm not, I'm not effective enough. I'm not, I don't have a plan. I don't have a good strategy. God says, it's okay. I am. I'm effective. I'm not eloquent enough. God says, it's okay. I am. I'm not secure enough in myself. Please just send someone else. It's okay. God says, I am secure in you. And that's enough. And that's enough. Brothers and sisters, many of us are not living out the mission that Jesus has for us. And he has a mission for every single one of us. He has a mission for every single one of us. I want, I want you to see how, how Jesus sees you. I want you to see how, how, how God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit see you. Ephesians chapter 2. Turn there real quick. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It's in the New Testament. You get to the Corinthians. And then you get Galatians and Ephesians. If you've gone to Philippians, you've gone too far. Remember, Galatians, Ephesians, go eat pizza, Chad. Those four books right there, right in the middle. So Galatians and then Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. In my version that I normally study, it says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But I really like the way the New Living Translation renders it. And I had it printed there on the back of your connection cards so that you can see it. Here's what it says, and I think this is, this is an accurate description, an accurate picture. For we are God's masterpieces. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago. You are a masterpiece made for God's mission. You may not see yourself as a masterpiece. I, most of the time, do not see myself as a masterpiece. I struggle with insecurities and, and try to mask them in all kinds of ways. And maybe you do the same thing. But God says, you are my masterpiece, created to do good works. I've created you anew for a special mission that I prepared long ago. I don't feel like a masterpiece, but God says I am. I don't often feel equipped for the mission, but Jesus says I am. When I'm crying in my insecurity, I've learned to not leave the mission, to not turn back the car and go back to California because Jesus is the I am and that promise is enough for me. No matter what I feel about myself, I am with you. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. And behold, I am with you always. Behold, I am, the I am, am with you always. Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. It doesn't always matter, folks, what we think about ourselves, about our own abilities, about our own strengths, about our own efforts. Jesus is with us, and his I am is e. Enough is enough. So let's pray together and let's thank Jesus for seeing us in our insecurities and our struggles as a masterpiece with a mission for him. Jesus, we thank you so much for your love for us we thank you for this example in the life of Moses as Moses looks upon himself and sees defect and the inability to accomplish the mission. You remind him that's irrelevant. Doesn't matter what you think, Moses, because I see you as a masterpiece. Lord, I pray that you will communicate that same truth to each and every person here today. That right now they will sense through the power of the Holy Spirit that you see them as a masterpiece. These young people that are behind me, I know my greatest struggles with security and trying to fit in and my largest mistakes were in those years of feeling so insecure of high school. Lord, help them to see no matter what their friends may say and no matter what their friends are doing and no matter the, the pitfalls that are being put before them by the devil. Help them to see that they are a masterpiece and that God has a divine mission for them. Lord, in those of us that are striving, striving after the things of the world, never quite satisfied because we're so insecure, help us, Jesus to hear you out of our burning bush and to hear you call our name and to remind us that in Christ Jesus, we are a masterpiece. Lord, show each one of us our mission and may we walk in that mission, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, God. 
In your name we pray. Amen.